Uh, this morning, I'm teaching on, I don't think I've ever taught on this before, and it's on um, getting free from a critical spirit. <laughs> oh, I hear the ooh. Whoa. Critical spirit. Now, before we get any further, I want you to do, I have an exercise for everybody. I know some people don't like these, especially if you're visiting, you're like, <laughs> Okay, but this is, this is what we do. We do here. We, we have body ministry. So, and I want to make sure everybody gets covered. So I want you to, this is a so simple, okay? I want you to, to one of your neighbors, you're going to have to, you know how awkward it is because they're turning and looking the other way when you're looking that way. But just make sure everybody gets covered. I want you to look, uh, turn to your neighbor and make sure you, s- just say this. I bless you in Jesus' name. Okay, now here's the second part of the exercise. I want you to look them in the eye, slow down, and I want you to mean it. It's not an exercise. This is, I bless you, Betty Jones, in Jesus' name. So now I want you to do it again. I really want you to bless somebody. Hi, how you doing? I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. You know? Don't we do that all the time? What's up? What's up? How's everybody? All family's good, and they're in shambles, you know? So we, uh, so we're talking about a critical spirit this morning. Now the next exercise, you don't have to, this is just between you and God. This sermon is for you. Say, this sermon's for me. It's not for my husband or my wife, my kids, my boss, my whatever. It is for you. Say, it's for me. <clears throat> you need that mindset this morning because people especially people that have a spirit or operate in a critical spirit are going to think this is for somebody else because they've already criticized them and know that they need something. That child needs something like right now. (laughs) I was brought up in the age where if I did that in church, I was whisked out. Whisked out and there were consequences. (laughs) She's she's a baby though. I, I, I I was a little older. We had a field outside our little church, and that's where all the kids got whippings. <laughs> well, it's a whipping. What's well, a whipping? Anybody get a whipping? Ever get a? Anybody ever get a whipping in church? Okay. Yeah, spare the rod, spoil the child. You know, you can look at that verse two ways: spare the rod and spoil the child. Right. Got a lot of grandparents in here. Got some new grandparents. They're going to know. They're going to understand. We spare the rod. We're going to spoil that child. We're going to spoil that grandchild. Love those grandchildren. Twins. Woo, it's fertile, right? Lots of twins and triplets and stuff going on around here. So we just dedicated twins last week. Amen. So we're going to talk about this thing called a critical spirit. And as I began looking at scriptures, I thought, well, we're going we're to land on scriptures because there's tons of them. It, it co- because it covers a vast variety of things when we talk about a critical spirit. But I believe if we're going to get free from a critical spirit, we have to be a- aware that we have a critical spirit. And I'm not saying everybody in here has it, okay? Um, probably all of us at one time or the other operate in it without reali- realizing it. But a lot of people just, they live in it. And so we're going to talk about that this morning, go to some scriptures uh, I battled a critical spirit for a long time. Anybody in here ever battled as a critical spirit? See, I was brought up under it. 
My mother had a critical spirit, bless her heart, but she, she was brought up under by her parents. They were the most critical people. They could point out everybody's flaws and then some. And so I was brought up under that same religious, it's a religious spirit too. Uh, I was brought up under that critical spirit. And so it's a miserable way to live. You're not only miserable, but you make everybody you come in contact with miserable. So we want to say, I want to be free of a critical spirit. Come on, let's get, let's get rid of this critical spirit this morning. You know, because, you know, we say this, we have this statement, this saying, uh, that comparison is a robber of joy, right? Well, I'm going to tell you, a critical spirit is a robber of joy also. And so how do we identify a critical spirit? Let's identify it. It's usually a, uh, a person who's always complaining, and I don't want any of this today. No nudging, none of that squeezing your hand. None of that looking at them like, remember, it's about you. Say, it's about me. Okay, so it's usually a person that complains a lot. They see the glass is half empty instead of half full. There are people who usually have to have the last word. That's going to be me today. Okay. People that are always right, you're gonna, a lot of you are just going to, yeah, 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 I know somebody like, no, that's you. They're always right. They tear down instead of build up. They set standards so high for everybody else, but they're never going to live up to them. Ooh, yeah, that one. That's a zinger, right? In general, they are miserable people, and they make everybody around them miserable. Here, here's a great definition of a critical spirit. It's the armchair quarterback. Now, you can put any sport in there. It can be the soccer dad, soccer mom with their kids out in the soccer field. Okay? It's a lot of you. It can be on the baseball field, football. It can be any sport. And you know better than the coach. You're smarter than the coach. You have better eyes than the umpire. You've never played a game of football in your life, but you knew that was a bad pass and he should never have thrown it there. Have you ever sat and watched a game where somebody has a critical spirit? It makes me so mad. See, I'm being critical of people with critical spirits. I hate to watch a football game with somebody that knows more than the coach, who is a professional, gets paid millions of dollars. Why, did, why would they ever run that play? That's the stupidest play I've ever seen. I can't believe you missed that tackle. You get out there and try to tackle somebody that's 220 pounds or runs a 40 and, you know, like, like Flash Gordon. You try to tackle Okay, so uh, in a sense, that's, that's the, the, the identity of somebody with a critical spirit. Now, a critical spirit has several relatives, and, and these are all sermons in and of themselves, and they'll, they'll come out in the sermon. Pride is probably one of the biggest ones. People with a critical spirit have pride like out the wazoo. Control, they want to control situations. Religion is huge for people with a critical spirit, like I was brought up in religion. Okay, so I could judge people really well. Uh, jealousy is a big one. If you're jealous of somebody, then you're more apt to criticize them, cut them down, than, is, is, than speak a life over them. If you're jealous and they got the job that you sh- said you were supposed to get because you're smarter and you're prettier and all that. Hatred is a big part of a critical spirit. I heard Jamie say that a lot up here. Hatred, unforgiveness plays into this, this idea of a critical spirit. And it goes on and on and on. So the Lord said, go to Matthew 7. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to tell you to go to Matthew 7. We're going to look at some scriptures today 
I thought, which is the, what is the best scripture that would address a critical spirit? Because a critical spirit is also a judgmental spirit. Okay? We're going to be reading in the New King James, uh, Matthew 7. And then we're going to look at Galatians 6 and some other scriptures. So this is Jesus speaking the Sermon on the Mount. This is a long sermon. You know, the Bible says he, he said more than the, any books can hold. So this is probably one just... One time that he preached, I'm sure he preached this sermon many times in his three years because he loved people. Now, this sermon wasn't preached to the Pharisees necessarily. It was preached to the masses. They were, they were just flocking to the place. And I've been, in, I've been to uh, Jerusalem. I've been to Israel where, he, that, where they think he preached these sermons. And it was down at the base. Where, and, the, and the mountain was up here, and he's down at the base. And they said if you uh, stand there, you could speak, and everybody could hear you clearly without a microphone. Okay. We freak out if our mics don't work. And here's Jesus just speaking, and he was speaking it out to the people. But here, what I, why I'm saying that is because he loved the people enough to tell them the truth. He wanted them to succeed. He wanted their lives to be, he, he wanted their lives to be cohesive. He wanted this huge family that he was preparing uh, for eternity. He wanted them to, to, to live a life, the abundant life, not the, the, the horrible life, not the ugly life, not the negative life. So he would get up and he would preach these things. And, and in Matthew 7, he says this, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, this is some strong words that he's sharing with all these people. He's looking at everybody and saying, hey, don't look, judge, don't judge. But if you do judge, I'm going to tell you something. The way you judge, you're going to be judged. Okay? That is, to me, this is a, a, the principle of sowing and reaping. When you judge somebody and you judge them unrighteously or unjustly, the, the thing that the way you judge them, it's going to come back on you. Anybody ever experience that? Yeah. I'm raise your hands on that one, but a few. But ha- how many of you have experienced that? You made fun of somebody, you criticized somebody about whatever, and all of a sudden, the thing that you were criticizing about them comes back on you. That's, that's, that's the product, that's, a, that's the, the, the consequences of a critical spirit. Now look at, look at uh, Galatians 6. Galatians 6. Verse 1, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore. Say restore. Restore. Such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. A lot of people read that first part. That's really good. But he says, lest you also be tempted. A, a, A critical spirit in this scenario Brethren, if a man is overtaken in in any trespass, if you who are non-spiritual, who have a critical spirit, you will not restore them. You will speak death. You will speak uh, ugly words over them. You will speak uh, penalties over them, consequences over them. But no, that's not what Galatians says. Paul says if a brother or sister is overtaken in sin, that means that they've fallen, they've backslidden. They've really fallen away from the Lord. He didn't say you go and criticize them. You point out their faults. What does he say here? He said you restore them. But he says in a a spiritual response, you restore them in the spirit, not a critical spirit, but of gentleness, considering yourself as you're also tempted. What does he mean by unless you're also tempted there? But what he's saying is because you could be that person. Anybody in here ever backslide? And you need restoration. 
And the church wasn't there to restore you, but they were there to kick you to the curb. That pastor or that Sunday school teacher or that deacon or whoever it was, man, they found out about your sin and they said, man, let's just get away from him. Let's get them out of here. And they were, there was no restoration. There was no gentleness. There was, it, was a spirit, it was a critical spirit. And because, and because you, when you do that, judge not lest you be judged. The way you judge, you'll also be judged. Guys, we have got to get to that place where when we see somebody fall, that somebody that I know wrote a great song called Love Them Back to the Lord. Yeah. Love them back. Pray them back. Encourage them back to the Lord in the spirit of gentleness. And because, listen, even Paul said, but for the grace of God, that could have been me. How many of you know that? Except for one decision, that could have been you. So, just pay attention. He goes on to say in verse 2, bear one, another, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ, which is the law of liberty. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, let me read that again. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. That's humility. That's pride. That's that, that's that critical spirit, pride. Humility, mm. Spirit of God. He exalts the what? The humble. He exalts the humble. So he goes on to say this. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another, for each one shall bear his own load. I kind of condense that to this. Mind your own business. Mind your own business. Some of us like to get into everybody else's business. And no elbows, uh-uh. Some, some of us, we are so smart, we are so spiritual, we can fix everybody. And God says, uh-uh, you've got your own load to carry. Now, we bear one another's burdens. We pray for people, we encourage people, but we don't live their lives for them, church. The sooner you can figure out you can't fix anybody, the better your life will be. It took a long time for Mary Lou and I to figure out that we couldn't fix Wes Watkins, our son. He's not here to defend himself. But when we finally figured out he's the Lord, the Lord loves him more than you do. Really? Yeah, he does. And so we just committed him to the Lord. That's why when we dedicate babies, they com we commit them to the Lord. But you know what we do? We, we commit them, then we try to take them back, and we try to run their lives and fix them, especially when they get to be teenagers. That's a daunting challenge, isn't it? But he's saying don't think, uh, Paul says in, in Romans, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. All right, verse 6 in Galatians 6. Let him who has taught the word share in all good things in him, with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. So I'm going to ask you this morning, what are you sowing? What are you sowing when you're speaking to other people or when you're speaking about other people? What, what kind of words are you sowing into their lives? Moms and dads, what kind of words are you sowing into your children's lives? When you, I love this in the message where Jesus said, uh, judge not lest you be judged. Let me tell you what it says in, in the message. 
First, Matthew 7, 1. Don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of a, of a boomeranging. <laughs> Anybody know what a boomerang is? Apparently, they use them in Australia a lot to, to, to discipline their children. <laughs> you stand here, son. <laughs> Bam. You judge somebody. <laughs> Bam. Do you like my sound effects? <laughs> I, lo- I, lo- I love that. I hope if this is resonating with you this morning that Holy Spirit reveals some things to you this morning as individuals because I want to be a part of a church that just builds people up. Look at Luke 9.51. Luke 9.51. Trying to learn to slow down when we get this interpretation thing going. Now it came to pass when it, the time had come for him, Jesus, to be received up, that he, Jesus, steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers before his face. That means he sent them before him. And as they went, they entered the village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him, because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. Okay, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. They're going to do a stopover in a Samaritan village, but they said, no, we don't want you to stay here. Just go on. Okay? And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? I think they might have had a critical spirit. To the max. Extreme. Extreme extreme judgmental attitude, behavior here. Because, okay, no, Jesus, you can't stay here. Who do you think you are? Jesus. They just told you you couldn't stay here. Could we just, you know what, me and James, we've been talking. Could you just kind of call down some fire from heaven and, you know, zap them? Zap them, you know. And that, see, I know none of y'all would think that way. <laughs> y'all don't want God to take anybody out. <laughs> oh, boy, some of you are laughing like, well, I know some people. <laughs> <laughs> but Jesus turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know, listen to the next part, what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Do you think the disciples thought they were doing the right thing? Okay. This is called a perversion of discernment. Perversion of discernment, if you're taking notes. See, we we like to say, I I am speaking life, even though I'm criticizing somebody, Pastor, but I discern. 
You better watch out when somebody says, I have discerned. Okay, because they were discerning. Their mind was being made up that these, this, this village, they should, be, they should be burned up. Fire should come down. See, now that's, that's where I see when we talk about a perversion of, of, uh, of discernment, that's also where I see where uh, people have religious thinking that ties into their critical spirit. Because we, a religious mindset is a holier-than-thou mindset. And when you have, you set yourself up to be the judge and jury because you're holier than them. And that's what James and John were doing. They are saying, we are, we are holier than them, Jesus. They need to be taken out. Right? You go back and read the scripture. Right before that, the disciples were arguing, who's greater, who's greater in the disciple realm? Who, who's number one here, Jesus? They're always thinking about themselves before they got filled with the Spirit of God. And so they're acting out of a religious mindset. That's where perversion comes in. Anybody know anybody that's so religious that you want to run when you see them come to the door? Yeah. Steve Lamb. Don't, don't tell me, Stevie. <laughs> but they thought they were right. See, sometimes before you say something, you really need to stop. Stop and think about what you're about to say. Who you're about to criticize, why you're about to criticize them. Most of the time, a critical spirit is born out of deception, wrong thinking, and even a religious spirit. A critical spirit can absolutely destroy someone if we're speaking out of perversion and not by the Spirit of God. Destroy them. We've talked in this church from the day one about li- death and life are in the, in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. It starts with the word death. Most people quote it the opposite way, but it's death. Because he knows, listen, I better get your attention. Death. You can kill somebody with your words. And a critical spirit is one of the most damaging spirits that you will ever. It's one of the most difficult spirits because most people don't think they have a critical spirit. Most people think they're just smart. Most people think that they're just helping somebody. Are y'all getting this this morning? You've got to guard your words because when you speak, you can tear them down or you can build them up. Parents, what are you talking? How, how are you talking to your children, parents? I, I've used this illustration many times, but I, 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 honestly, I heard this from a, an inmate at the jail. He said, I said, how did your parents treat you? He said, well, my mother told me that I would never amount to anything. I would end up in jail just like my dad. He would say, an alcoholic. I said, what happened to you? He said, I ended up in, de- in jail. I was an alcoholic. I'm just like my dad. Critical, 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 critical. What if she would have spoken life over her son? Son, I know your dad's in jail, and he's done some bad things, but listen, you're not him. I'm going to encourage you, son. You can do this. You and God can do this. We're going to work together. You're going to be successful. How about that teacher that says, you know, uh, I've been watching you through school, and your counselor, I've had your counselor, and we've been talking. You know what? You're just not college material. You're just not college material. And that kid goes, Really? And he receives that, and it's death to him because he thought he was college material, and he probably was. 
depend, listen, sometimes you can speak a critical word to somebody and they're not going to, listen, they'll put up the shield. They just put it up. Bounce off of me, buddy. I don't care what you say about me. I know who I am in Christ. But isn't it sad that we would have to do that? We'd have to put up a barrier between somebody because all they ever did was cuss us and curse us with their words and their actions. Now let's go back to Matthew 7, verse 3. And why do you look at the speck? Say speck. In your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank. Say the plank. Say telephone pole. You do not consider the plank in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye? And look, a plank is in your own eye. The speck versus plank. <laughs> a critical spirit has a, such a critical eye, they can see the tiniest little thing in somebody else, and it's magnified. The, the tiniest flaw in somebody, and it's magnified. You know, people that are perfectionists can do that. People that are they're perfectionists, they see, the, they see the tiny flaws in things. You know, how many of you ever shop at Ross's or Marshall's? And, and, and they'll say, uh, what's that word for uh, second, seconds? There's another word for it. <laughs> Hand-me-downs. No, hand-me-downs don't have to be seconds. Well, if they're second-handed. But, but they're, they have an imperfection in them. Flaw. Irregular. That's the word. You go by those jeans and the zippers on the front, wrong side of the pants, you know, those are irregular. <laughs> uh, baby, I don't know. What, oh, there it is. <laughs> it's irregular. <laughs> and you go, well, I'm not going to buy those, you know. <laughs> I, bought some swim, I bought some swim trunks last year. At, I think it was Ross's. This is a big plug for Ross's. And I thought, I got a good bar. And I, I wear them because, you know, I'm at the house and it's just me and Mary Lou. And, uh, but, you know, the, the, the drawstring is kind of like gnawed, like a rat gnawed on it. And, uh, and then the netting where, you know, you're there, it's got a hole in it. So <laughs> it was only seven bucks, so I didn't take them back. But uh, they're very freeing. Uh, <laughs> you want me to move on? Yeah, move on. But a critical spirit can see a, a tiny flaw and, and, and exaggerate it in somebody else, right? Have you ever tried to help somebody with a, that actually had something in their eye, like a splinter or something? How many of you have ever done that? Okay. Now, let's just suppose, suppose somebody has a speck in their eye, literally a speck in their Come here, Lorenzo. I always like to use you as an example. Get on up here. Got a speck in your eye. Okay. Where, where is it? Where, which eye is it? This eye. Okay. That, now, I'm going to take that speck out of your eye. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> I need some more stuff. Okay. Let me get that speck out of your eye. <laughs> you know what? I can't reach that speck in your eye. You know why? Because there's too much stuff in, in front of me. I can't see it and remove it. Thank you, Lorenzo. <laughs> if, you got a, if somebody's got a speck in their eye, 
and you got a telephone pole between you and them, you can't get to it because you've got your own crud. Right? And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's making it pretty. He's like blowing this up for them so they can really see it. Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove that speck from your eye. Look, I've got a plank in my own eye. You can't do it. So listen. Sometimes, I shouldn't get out of, I shouldn't get winded from that, but I did. All right. (laughs) Sometimes we make a big deal out of things when we shouldn't. Right? In Matthew 6, 27, in the Living Bible, it says Jesus, that's his famous dissertation, especially on worry. It says, will all your worries add a single moment to your life? I want to ask you this morning, what are the benefits of criticizing other people? What are the benefits of it? You know what? There's none. Well, there's some bad benefits, but there's not any good benefits from criticizing other people. How many of you have ever been unjustly criticized oh, wait, 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 wait. or justly criticized? How many of you have ever been unjustly or justly criticized? Should be probably everybody in the room. And when you were, and you knew who the person was, you knew that whatever they were criticizing you of, you could turn that barrel around and point it right back at them ten times worse. You gonna get a witness? Why are they criticizing me? Do you know about do you know what you've been doing? I see you. Here's an old song. I think Elvis Presley sang it. Clean up your own backyard before you come telling me to clean mine up. I don't know if that's not. Is it Johnny Cash? Who you love your own backyard? No. <laughs> this is what this is like. This is what Jesus, what Jesus is saying here. You got a neighbor. You got a chain link fence. You got a backyard. And you walk out your backyard. You look over your neighbor's yard. And you see a piece of trash in their backyard. Hey, George! Have you seen your backyard lately? It's a mess. And George, he goes, I know my neighbor, that guy. He walks out in his backyard. He goes and picks up that piece of trash. Now his yard is pristine. But he looks over at his neighbor's yard, the one that's criticized him, and it's like a junkyard. It's like a junkyard. That's what it's like, guys, when we start trying to clean somebody else and tell them they need to clean up their act, and our act is not very good at all. It's It's a critical spirit. Listen to what Jesus says about that in verse 5. Hypocrite. That's a, that's a strong, strong word he's using here. First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The fourth thing which you see this morning is how to overcome a critical spirit. Because if we just talk about all that, and we don't get to how you overcome it, we've fallen short. Hypocrite. That's not something anybody would ever want to hear Jesus say to them. Would would we? But he was telling his people, he was telling his brothers and his sisters, this is how I want you to treat people. If you've got a plank in your eye, you, he says, first remove the plank from your own eye. Now, before we go any further, 
A lot of you are thinking, well, pastor, does that mean we are never to criticize anybody? Does that mean we're never to judge people? Does that mean we're never to discern? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It doesn't mean that at all. Because we have to make judgments. Right? Mom and dad, that boy comes to the door asking to date your daughter. You've got to use some judgments there. You've got to be able to judge. Whether I'm going to go take this job or that job or these friends or those friends, we have to have discernment. So I'm not negating that. I'm not at all. So just get that out of you. Well, pastor just says we can't do, we can't make any decisions about somebody. No, you can. If you see somebody, you know, but here's the thing. We're, we, we're called to judge righteously. We're called to judge by the spirit of God, not by the critical spirit of the enemy. He says this in John 7, 24 from the Amplified. Jesus says this, do not judge by appearance superficially and arrogantly. That's the attitude you're judging by, but judge fairly and righteously. I mean, he may have tats, but that doesn't mean he's a bad person. If that was the case, we wouldn't have anybody here this morning. How many of you have a tat? Raise your hand. See, we'd lose half our congregation. If we if we are standing at the door, you're going to test. You can't come in here, right? You believe that way? You can't come in here. See, we've got to we've got to do this with the discernment of the, of the Holy Spirit when we look at people, because if we're discerning based upon our flesh, we're going to miss it every time. Every time we're going to miss it. We're never to criticize with evil intent or out of pride, hypocrisy, or self-righteousness. But there really is something called constructive criticism. You couldn't be a boss if you didn't use constructive criticism. You couldn't be a pastor if you couldn't use constructive criticism. But there's a difference in constructive and destructive criticism, church. Big difference. So how do we overcome how do we get free of a critical spirit here's that word again repentance repentance acts 236 i want you to see this acts 236 i refer to these scriptures a lot when it comes to repentance because it makes the most sense to me This is Peter. He has been baptized. He's been filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Never preached a sermon that I know of in his life until that day. And he steps out to the front. And there are thousands of Jews. They've come from all over the world to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. And they're all out there. And Peter steps up. You know, they were, a lot of people are gathered because they heard the noise. They heard the tongues and all that. So he begins to preach. And then he preaches. And he says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, that's pretty critical. That's a critical man if you're thinking, he's just accused everybody out there of killing Jesus. Right? But how's he doing it? He's doing it by what? The Spirit. Say the Spirit. Spirit. Holy Spirit was leading him. He had a right to say it. It was, the, it was the perfect thing to say on that day. And he spoke it out to all these people, thousands of people, and said, you killed Jesus. 
When you read Matthew 12, go back and read it sometime, but in, in, the, in that passage from Matthew 12, Jesus had, had done a lot of miracles, and all of a sudden, now that he's cast out, he's been casting out demons. And the, the Pharisees come to Jesus and say, you're casting out demon by, demons by Beelzebub. You talk about a critical spirit when you accuse the Son of God of casting out demons by a demon. And Jesus looked at them like they had two heads, I'm sure. Like, are you kidding me? Why would Satan cast out Satan? He's, I had, he's going against himself. Why would a, the Son of God cast out a demon? Because he wants that person to live. Satan didn't want him to live. So they're so critical of Jesus. They were, they were accusing him of something that's close to blasphemy. But I believe, I believe, with, I, I can't t guarantee you this, I can't, uh, I can't prove this, but I believe that day in that crowd, some of those Pharisees were there. And they heard Peter say, you killed Jesus. You way misjudged the Son of God. And when they heard this, verse 37 says, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the disciples, men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? We accused him of being a criminal. We accused him of being a thief. We accused him of being a counterfeit God. We've accused him, accused him, accused him. What, Peter, what, what can we do, Peter? And he said this, repent. Repent. Change the way you think. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. To get the plank out of your own eye, you've got to repent. Some of you have planks in your eyes this morning. But you have been calling out everybody else's speck. You've been talking to your children in ways that God is standing there and he's saying, why would you talk to my gift, that gift that I give you? Why would you cut them down? Why would you always criticize them? Why can't you start building them up? Then when you repent and you change, God changes your heart and your mind, then your heart and mind are brought into the alignment with the Word of God and your mouth will change. What you say will change if you will let God change it. Then you will become an encourager. You will speak life to other people. You will be speaking in humility. You will be speaking the truth in love. And you will walk in this gratefulness, this thankfulness that God, but, there, but, but for the grace of God, that could have been me. And you'll start seeing people the way Jesus sees them. You'll be thankful for the grace of God that covers you and all your flaws and all my flaws. There's none of you in here that aren't flawed in some way. Do you understand that? We're all flawed. We are not perfect. Except in the eyes of Jesus because he wears these blood-stained glasses and he sees us through the blood. But in and of ourselves, in our faith, we are flawed. So what gives us the right to criticize? 
But you give your lips, you give your mind, you give your heart to Christ, you repent and you ask him to change your thinker, your speaker, then the fruit of your lips will reflect the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. And guess what the last one is? Self-control. Sometimes we just need to shut up. But pastor, they, but shut up. But pastor, you don't have to shut up. But I got something, no. Are you, are you doing, what, what's your heart? What, why are you trying to speak to them? What are you trying to show them? Is it in love? Is it with grace? Because if it isn't, you're going to be tempted in the same way it's going to come back on you, the same way you judge them. I want to close with this. Take Paul's advice. I want you to go ahead and stand. I want to speak this. Jesus. I know this was a hard sermon. But listen, we've got to get to this place where we are. You know, the Bible says, let now, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together with God's people. And it goes on to say so that we can encourage one another. Build one another up. Paul says this, and this is the best advice we can close with. In Ephesians 4, 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. And I didn't mention this this morning, but a lot of people criticize in a joking way and they think that's okay. It's not. We use, we use sarcasm a lot in our country, in our culture, to criticize people. It's not okay. My wife learned a long time ago. She said, you know, behind every kid, there's the truth. So quit using sarcasm to criticize somebody. Okay? Good? good? Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace, grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. That's the word of the Lord. That's not the word of Harold. That's the word of the Lord. Would you bow your heads?